Well, good morning. I am Talbot Davis. I'm the pastor at Good Shepherd. And whether you're connecting live or live stream, I'm always so glad to be able to connect back at you. And we are winding up this series called Room for Improvement. We've talked about improving your prayer and improving your attitude, which I know nobody here needed. We've talked about improving your finances and improving your serve. And today we wrap the series up with a message called Needs No Improvement. And if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to locate in the New Testament, the book of Colossians chapter 2 and verses 8 through 10, Colossians chapter 2 and verses 8 through 10. Maybe your Bible looks like this, or maybe your Bible's loaded on the phone, or maybe you don't have either one of those, in which case you will see the words up on the screen just when they need to be, because we, we, we really value scripture a, a great deal here. We don't worship it but we love it. And the reason we love the scripture is because we believe loving scripture helps us to adore the savior. And, and, and you may be at at a place where you're undecided about the Bible or undecided about the savior, undecided about the faith. And all of that is okay. We just really want you to know where we come from here at this church. And we really do believe in leadership that the Bible is inspired and it is eternal and it is true. And out of that conviction, we have a habit here and when we talk about the Bible, this church we lift it up. And and uh, if you haven't been here before, or you're looking around and it just seems kind of odd and unusual. We admit it; it is both odd and it is unusual. But we've discovered something great, really, in this moment of being kind of odd. That this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community. That collectively, we don't have life figured out, but we know who does. And we're glad to surrender to the authority of his word. Amen? And so before I say anything else, let's pray. So Father, thank you for your, your goodness and thank you for the, the, the life of the Holy Spirit who inspired Paul to write a letter to a church in a Greek city of Colossae. And then when the Holy Spirit was finished inspiring that letter, he wasn't finished. And he's still moving and active and alive, even in our midst. And so just make me a a real vessel, a conduit of his power and his love in this community and beyond today. Lord, I know there's people here who you have brought here by divine assignment. Open up every single heart and every single mind to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, some of you uh, who are here live and tuning in live stream, some of you remember report cards in school and, and others of you are still getting report cards in school and of all the grades that you could get in a, in a report card in school, you know, A and B and C and nobody here ever got a D, I know, or A minus or B plus. Maybe the strangest of all, maybe the most frustrating of all was I, incomplete. And you didn't fail, you just didn't finish. 
And getting an I in your report card fills you with sort of this ambivalence and this hollowness that somewhere along the way, you know you need to circle back around and finish things up because I's incompletes, not quite being finished. Some of the most frustrating things uh, about life that we have. And my, my goodness, we, we, we see I's not just on report cards, but we see them all around. Like we have... We have one of the most famous eyes in, in really American architecture, I think. And some of you can see it from your front porch in your house there in Fort Mill. It is the unfinished tower. I think we have a picture of that unfinished t- tower. Yeah, I mean, it's for over 35 years. It's been this eye that stands right there in Fort Mill as a testimony to all kinds of misplaced ambition and misunderstood faith. And then as if, as if God wasn't good enough to give us that, he gave us another eye in our community and not just Fort Mill. Now you go down to Rock Hill <laughs> and we've got a half-built Panthers training facility that I think is going to stay half-built for quite some time. There's, it's a great big eye. These incompletes are so frustrating, but it's not just report cards and it's not just half-built buildings for some of us, for some of you. It's you. It's me. Some of you are a lot better starters than your finishers. And that explains that enthusiasm that you started that degree with I'm going to get that degree and it's still hanging out there unfinished for others of you it was that bible reading plan and you started in January and you were gonna read the bible in a year and then you got to February and it's deep dive into Leviticus and you're like what then for others of you, it's that business idea that you hatch, but you've never launched. It, 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 it's that DIY home improvement project that you've started and never finished. And, that, and that's why you don't have people over for some of you, some of you. It's even the painful, the pain that comes from starting that marriage with the best of intention, but life intervened and things happen and maybe even you blew it up. But yeah, so, so many of us we, we have that enthusiasm with which we start things and then we run into items in our lives and sometimes we cause them and sometimes they happen to us, but there's a whole lot of us. And if you were to look at the report card going on in our lives, it would be an I. And the thing is, we're not the first, we won't be the last. The good news for you and for me is that when Paul wrote his letter to the ancient church in the city of Colossae, a letter that we have in the New Testament called Colossians, because the people who lived in Colossae, they were called Colossians. He was writing to a community that was in danger of getting a great, big, uh, in danger of starting and not finishing. But what they were in danger of starting and not finishing was not their bioengineering degree, because that stuff didn't even exist then. But something much more elemental, they were in danger. The Colossian church as a collective of people were in danger of abandoning the very faith that they had started. They, they were in danger of starting a living relationship with Jesus Christ and then giving up on that living relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And, and I don't know if you know this or not, if you've been coming to Good Shepherd for any length of time and been paying even a little bit of attention, you probably do. If you're brand new, you might not. But none of these letters of the New Testament are written in a vacuum. And, and when Paul, and Paul is a, a, a traveling pastor and missionary and author, probably 20 or 30 years after Jesus died and rose again, so we're looking at something written 55, 60 AD, he never writes a letter in a vacuum. There's always something going on. There's always something he has to correct. There's always someone he has to encourage. There's always a crisis that he is addressing. And in the case of Colossians, the, the crises that he is addressing is, is that, that false teachers had infiltrated this newfound church. Isn't that interesting? I mean, the church is like 10 minutes old and they already have false teachers working their way into it. And in Paul's case, these false teachers who had begun to infect the church in Colossae were, were so persuasive and so influential that it had gotten a whole lot of people in that church to the place where they were going to give up on Jesus altogether. They, they'd started the faith. They weren't going to finish the faith. They were going to get an eye in Jesus. And, and in particular, there are two kinds of false teaching had wormed their way into the Colossian church. And it's going to sound so weird to us, but it made perfect sense to them. And, and one of the false teachings that it worked its way in was that matter, like dirt and trees and animals and bodies, that matter was evil and wicked and whatever God created matter and bodies and trees and birds, that that God was wicked as well. That there's a, a good God and a bad God and the maker of heaven and earth is the bad God. I told you, this sounds weird to us. That's because we live in 2022 and not in 55 AD. It's very persuasive to the Colossians. And, and going along with that, false teaching that Paul has to deal with is another one that said Jesus is not unique. Jesus is one of a great many religious teachers and leaders and gurus. Jesus is not the one and only. He's one among many. And so these two very influential teachings that had worked their way into the Colossian mind and the Colossian church had, had made the people either want to give up on Jesus altogether or get this, get this, they had decided that Jesus, that for to be, have salvation in Jesus, to be sure of your relationship with God, it was not Jesus alone, it was Jesus and. Jesus Plus, like we can't trust in Jesus enough just on his own. So let's add some routines and let's add some rituals and let's add some holidays. And maybe let's even add our horoscope. Let's throw all that into the mix. And when you have Jesus plus something else or Jesus plus someone else, then maybe you can arrive at godliness. So all these things, told you Paul didn't write anything in a vacuum. And all these things are beneath the surface when Paul writes. And, and, and what we have in this passage that we're, we're going to look at is, it's Paul at his Paulist. Because he combines truth 
and worship. And he brings them together. And, and, and what, what comes out is nothing less than an anthem. And it's actually the second anthemic moment in the book of Colossians, which might be, hello, why it's just about my favorite book in the New Testament. He already had one amazing one in chapter one. And now we get, as, as we get to Colossians chapter two, he has yet another one. And I just want you all to know that I, I approach these words with fear, trembling. I just pray that my words can measure up to the magnificence of Paul's, that my words can somehow do justice to just how remarkable his are. Look at, look at how he begins in verse eight, chapter two. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Isn't it cool if you just open up the Bible out of nowhere and well, what is he talking about? Now, because you're part of the community of Good Shepherd, you know exactly what he's talking about. The hollow and deceptive philosophy that says matter is evil and Jesus is one of many, not the one and only. Which depends on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So there are false teachers who've worked their way into the church, as I've been saying, and, 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 and come up with an addition to and add on to Jesus and I just want you all to know, you, you may or may not know, nothing has changed. You, you had false teachers of great influence and great platforms and in the very first century. And even today, you have pastors and authors and, and leaders who, who come along and are not content with the faith that we inherit, but have to come up with one they invent. Come along and say, well, you know, the church has been reading the Bible wrong for 2,000 years until I came along and fixed things for everybody. Well, no, no, you're, you're not smarter than Paul. You're not more enlightened than Moses. That's why I've told you all before that when the, when the church modifies the word to satisfy the world, it does not win more converts. It only earns more contempt. And what it was that Paul was dealing with in Colossians so long ago is precisely what it is that he's dealing with today, that, that what we continue to deal with today. And he goes on, and he goes on to, to, to address these people who are dealing with this false teaching. And, and I don't know if you, you, you've thought about this either, but when you go beyond the church, and you think about the way that Jesus is regarded or Jesus is taught about in, in, in media, social media. Man, if, if, if you get your understanding of who Jesus is from what you can see and read in the media, you'll get a caricature of Jesus. You, you'll get a dismissive understanding of Jesus. See, we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the cool and an embarrassment to the elite. And all of that paves the way for Paul to keep talking and to get to what he's talking about in verse nine. And, it, and as we look at verse nine, this anthem just reaches a crescendo and there's no way I could look at any of these words without praying all week for how to handle this incredible treasure. Look at what Paul says. For in Christ, 
all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form in Christ. All the fullness of the deity, all everything. I don't know if you realize how remarkable that is. Everything that is God fit into one body, one human body at one single time. Everything that is God, the creator of the universe, everything that is God somehow, some way fit into one body, the body of Jesus of Nazareth. There was nothing in Jesus's life that wasn't fully God. And I mean, his whole life from his conception to his life as an embryo, to his messy birth, to his infancy when he needed his diapers changed, to his adulthood when he was a teacher, sometimes frustrated with the fact that his inner circle of students couldn't get at what he was, that he was trying to teach them and, and all building up to his gruesome, gory death. All of it, all God, all the time and all of it just a prelude to the grave busting gravity breaking resurrection from the dead all of Jesus, all of god somehow fit it, fit into one body the one body of jesus and i just I, again I, this is something i tell you all a lot and and, and i hope uh, you just need to hear it again and again and again but that that notion that jesus is a great teacher jesus is our role model jesus is our guru jesus is our homeboy that may be a lot of things but it is not christianity that anything that would diminish how highly we speak of jesus how much we honor Jesus, how amazed we are that all of God fit into Jesus. Anything that diminishes that at all is something we can't have any part of at Good Shepherd Church. <laughs> and, and when it comes to our salvation, getting right with God for eternity, I, again, I, I don't know if you've considered this either. There's nothing that you can add to or improve upon what Jesus has already done on the cross and through the resurrection. I mean, it'd be like saying to Arnold, you know, Arnold, 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 your body's looking pretty good today, but could you work on those delts a little bit for us? Or like saying to Meryl Streep, Meryl, that was a, that was a good scene, but see if you can up your acting game just a little bit. Or saying to Aretha, Aretha, those vocals were pretty good on R-E-S-P-E-C-T, but let's take one more take and see if you can get it just a little bit better. Well, oh, that would be ridiculous. You don't try and prove on Arnold, improve on Arnold's physique or Aretha's vocals or Meryl's acting, because what they do is already just about perfect, and what they do does not even compare with the perfection, the complete and utter and total perfection that is Jesus and what he means for your salvation and for mine. And after laying that groundwork in verse 9, the fullness of of the deity, everything that is God fit into Jesus somehow. Then Paul looks at verse 10 and look what he says there. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. And some translations, and in Christ, you have been made complete. And in Christ, you 
have been made complete. He says, and do you you see the perfect balance there? It's like the the other side of a seesaw. Because he, then you. And when you understand that, that your identity, your understanding really of who you are stems not from your own accomplishments or your own achievements or your own character even, but it all comes as a result of his when, when you understand that he is your reason to live, that he is your identity in life, something astonishing happens. And it's this, his complete perfection perfectly completes you. That Jesus' complete perfection, I mean, he's complete in, in, completely perfect in everything he ever did and everything he ever said and all the ways that God fit himself into one body. And when you wonder, well, how am I going to not have an eye in life? How, how am I going to feel complete? How am I going to feel filled? How am I going to have this joy and this purpose? It doesn't come from you. Your achievements don't complete you. Your bank account doesn't complete you. In that movie, Tom Cruise, Renee Zellweger, remember that? When she says, he says, you complete me. Even as nice as Renee Zellweger is, she doesn't complete you. The only thing, the only one who ever completes you is the resurrected king who is resurrecting me. His complete perfection perfectly completes you. Man, I need this. I don't know who else does. I know I do. Because there there are times in life, even, even as I pass 60 years old, not that I'm depressed about that, even as I pass that and 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 I'll be like man if if they would just tell me how great I am or if I could just have an honor from them or if I could just get some recognition from that group over there all along forgetting that every award and every accolade and every compliment always overpromises and underdelivers and all, always overlooking how often it is that God has had to tell me, why do you keep looking for the applause of the crowd when you already have the approval of the king? And, and all the ways that I'm like, I just want one more trophy on my case. And, and God come, in my case, and God comes along and says, why do you need another trophy in your case when you are the trophy in mine? His complete perfection perfectly completes you. And the only antidote that I have to my insatiable need for praise is to wake up in the morning and realize I am bought. There's nothing I can do to add on to the goodness of that. I am bought. My life is not my own. And every so often, God will take me as gently as he can, but as forcefully as he must. And shake me by the shoulders. And he'll say, it's not about you. You don't complete you. My complete perfection perfectly completes you. By the way, this really makes me realize that of of all the people who need to hear the gospel, Christians are at the top of the list. 
Like what? I, I thought we we're supposed to take the gospel to people who haven't heard it yet. Well, yeah, we are. Nevertheless, of all the people who need to hear and celebrate and cherish the good news, no one needs all of that more than people who have already said yes to Jesus. Do you know why that is? Because if you don't have a steady diet of gospel, you forget it. It grows cold. And when you forget the gospel, you end up substituting a false religion for it. That's exactly what was going on in Colossae. They'd lost their steady diet of the gospel. They'd forgotten how to cherish it and to savor it and to realize how good it is that Jesus' complete perfection is all it is that perfectly completes you. And so they'd run after the, the latest, latest, trendiest, coolest, false religion that they could. And a lot of the fact that Christians... Christians are the ones who need to hear and cherish and savor the gospel as much as anyone. Uh, let's just declare the, the simplest summary of it that we have. It's up on the screen. It's, say this together. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And so, so he will. Maybe, maybe you've heard of that older man in a, Another church who had been blind from birth, never seen colors, never seen people, never seen sights. And he was an older guy, 75 or so, and he was having a conversation with his pastor. And, and the pastor asked him, well, how do you navigate? I mean, talk about feeling incomplete. Everybody around you can see and you can't see. How do, how do you navigate what life has thrown your way? And the, the man said to his pastor, I, I, I get through it this way. I know that when I die, on the other side of the grave, when I open up my eyes for the very first time, the one I see will be Jesus. And that makes it all make sense. That, good shepherd, is perspective, it's peace, it's completion. His complete perfection we can't add on to. Jesus needs no improvement, perfectly completes you. And so today, we're going to give you an opportunity to say yes to that one who so long ago said yes to you, to stop looking for your completion and, and your fulfillment and what you can buy and who you can date and, and what you can have and what award that you will receive and stop looking for all that stuff that overpromises and underdelivers. And we're going to give you an opportunity to, to say yes to him today, to say that I am incomplete in myself and ready to be complete in Jesus. And it's, going to be in just a moment, I'm going to say those words, Jesus is king. And when I say those words in, in just a couple minutes, Jesus is king, and, and you want to say yes to Jesus, you, you want him to be the king who completes you, we're going to invite you to rise up on your feet right, right where you are. And, and, and some of you are like, I, in, in front of all these people, and I'm like, yes, there's no better group of people 
you could rise up in front of. And some of you said yes to Jesus. You, you might've said yes to him a long time ago, but you've run away. And God has made a divine appointment, a divine assignment to bring you even to this place today. And he's gonna give you an opportunity to, when I say Jesus is king, he's gonna give you an opportunity to run back home by standing on up. And some of you are already standing up on the inside. You're, you're like, I, I, I realize I've been looking in all the wrong places and all the wrong people for what Jesus alone can offer. So you ready? We've been praying for this all week, y'all. And, and, and so I'm just gonna say these words in just a moment. And won't you say yes to the one who so long ago said yes to you? You ready? Jesus is king. Who would acknowledge that today? Who would acknowledge the Lordship? Hallelujah. Thank you. There's one. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Bless the Lord. Thank you. God is so good. Thank you. Yes. Bless the Lord. Thank you. Yes, God is so good. Y'all stay standing. And, and what we want to invite all you courageous standers, what we want to invite you to do is, is make your way up here to the front. We're not going to embarrass you, but we have prayer teams who are going to pray over you and give you some information and talk to this. So y'all begin making your way up and the rest of you, yeah, begin making your way up and the rest of you, would you rise on your feet? Because how can we not sing about our resurrected King now? So rise on your feet. Let's sing. And those of you who stood, come forward and pray. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today.